Hello, it is Wednesday, January 13th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Here are the topics I'm going to discuss. If you haven't read Stephen Morocco's story at MMA Fighting on Spencer Fisher, do that as soon as you can, because um, I'm going to have some uh, it's one, it's a great story and it should be read by anyone who has any interest in MMA. And two, a couple of things I'm going to discuss at the start of the uh, show here are based on that story, our reactions to that story. One is from Matt Brown and one is from Dana White. The Matt Brown one is concerning. The Dana White one is ridiculous and couldn't have come from anyone but Dana White. Um, Dana White might live to regret a quote he gave on um, illegal streamers. Um, some fans, MMA fans, seem to believe that Dana White is single-handedly responsible for Fight Island. I want to clear that up and also give a come on now to that one. And... Uh, my fear that Charles Oliveira is about to be a forgotten man got another uh, another law got thrown on that fire um, today. And now, on with the show. So the Spencer Fisher story is, it's not an easy read, but read it. The gist is that he is experiencing severe problems um, related to the brain trauma he received while he was a MMA fighter. And there's some revealing things in that story. One, that he was on the UFC's payroll, <clears throat> excuse me, and that it felt like a, more or less like a, uh, that he was taking hush money to not talk about things. But once the sale of the UFC went through, communication and paychecks from the UFC ceased. And so... After a long while, um, he spoke to MMA fighting Stephen Morocco. So look up that story and 100% read it. It's probably going to be the best sto MMA story you'll read in 2021, and it will probably be one of the best stories of you'll ever read about MMA. Um, so 100% read that. So anyway... Um, the topic is a hot topic right now in the MMA circles. And so it got brought up at the um, at Fight Island about with some of the fighters. And one of the fighters that got asked was Matt Brown. And here's what he had to say. That's a real thing. Uh, I've suffered some of those same things. I know Spencer well. We trained back. We trained together back in the day. A lot of those issues are very possible. And that's probably the big thing that I would put into my mind. You've got to think about those things. I've been very fortunate. I don't know how I've done it because I've had tons and tons of gym wars and, of course, wars inside the cage too. I would definitely think about that a lot more. I know Spencer. He's a friend. I guess I never really talked to him about that kind of stuff, even though I knew he was kind of struggling with it. I didn't realize how deep it really was. And then this is the part I really want to discuss. A little bit that 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 part there, but this is the one that bothers me the most. Um Fighters are what they are. You don't want that to be in your head. I almost didn't want to read the article because you don't want to think about that stuff. You know it's a risk you, you take, but coaches, that's their job. 
Um, so what Brown says is, is that the coaches should consider this and the fighters should, I'm, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but how this reads is that the fighter should ignore it for, I might be wrong, but that's what I'm taking away. And so let's talk about that. We know a lot more about brain damage, I'm sorry, brain damage, brain injury, however you want to call it, an injury is damage. So um, the brain injuries that you get from repeated blows to the head, repeated concussions, and not always concussions either. And another thing to be sure, there is no such thing as a minor concussion. A concussion is a concussion. No, no, not minor. So please never use minor concussion in anything, any type of discussion. And for folks that write about MMA, do not use minor to describe a concussion. A concussion is a con concussion. There are no grades to concussions. Um, so here he's saying um, you don't want that to be in your head. And that's true. But we know a lot more about brain injuries than we did even when Matt Brown started fighting. And as such, the times of the the old shoot boxer and um, military fighting system, those days have to be over. The idea that you are going to pummel each other in the gym, that is antiquated and cannot happen. If you go to a gym, if you're a fighter or training to be a fighter and you see that, you need to get out of that gym as fast as possible. Um, so... There's, do you need to spar? Yes. Do you need to spar hard every day? No. But you do need to spar. But if, especially early in your career, so you know what things are like. But as you get older and more um, ingrained in the MMA world, you take the, uh, you can take the tack at that Max Holloway has. And he has, I think, taken hard sparring out of his, out of his training. It's, it's not really needed if you, once you get into 30 or 40 professional fights, you're not gaining anything by hard sparring other than damage to your, your brain and your body. And we don't know what that's going to, what's going to happen in the long run to anyone. Could be bad. It's definitely not going to be good. Um, so follow Max Holloway's um, tack there if you, if you can. Because you can. Um, so the thing here where the coaches need to think about it, but the fighters don't, that's not true. Fighters 100% have to think about this. Um, you can go into the brain study with the, with the, that the UFC is sponsoring at the Cleveland Clinic. And that'll provide, well, it won't provide care. It'll provide an awareness of where you stand. And I think all fighters should do this. Um, but the problem is, the pay is so low in fighting that you just fight, fight, fight just to make the ends meet. And I just saw Gray Maynard tweeted something about this. So this is why fighters ignore it. And this is why NFL players now are starting to shorten their careers. NFL players are making generational wealth perhaps in the NFL. So their damage, they know they're going to take that damage, same as a UFC or an MMA fighter knows. But once an NFL fighter gets to the point where they've figured, all right, Things are going a little south here on me, even just a little. They can oftentimes retire, and while maybe not generational wealth for everyone, it'll be enough to set up their immediate family 
um, so they don't have to worry about things. So, but like Ray Maynard said, MMA, you're lucky if you can pay the bills. So this is where things get a little dicey, but I would encourage fighters to join that brain study or get in another brain study or follow what is going on inside their head um, so that they can see, if they can't feel, they can at least see where things are and how things are progressing and base your career on perhaps how you feel, but also how the studies of, of your brain are. And, you know, a doctor is going to tell you to quit right away, but you need to have that discussion and, and look at things from that, from that standpoint. You need to know when your brain is taking uh, a, a beating and where things are when you need a, maybe you need a rest or maybe you need to quit. But we now know 100% what thing? Well, not one hundred percent. We now know one hundred percent better than we used to know on what repeated trauma to the brain can do. And fighters, one hundred percent, do need to consider that. Um, it's scary. It's ugly. It's frightening. It can shorten a career, but it's not worth it because the money's not worth it. So something to consider. And Matt Brown saying that a fighter shouldn't or can't think about that, not true, not true. NFL players are thinking about it. Hockey players are thinking about it. UFC, MMA fighters also need to think about it. Um, the damage is, it's, well, we believe it's irreversible. And once you get to a certain point, it's, it's not good. And from the sounds of Spencer Fisher's story, He's at that point. So I would encourage all fighters to, like I said, think about it um, and really, really look at the big picture and, and consider your future, um, the future of your family, and, and, if you, and especially fighters that have children, consider them as well. You, you don't want to be in a, a situation where you can't um, see your children grow up or remember your children growing up. It's... It's not worth it, um, especially because the money that this sport provides will not provide for your health care and it will not provide for your children, which is 100% different than what the NFL does and the NHL. So think about it and plan your career um, with that in mind. I would, I would say I would 100% I would encourage that. Now that after that downer, here's what Dana White had to say, and this is kind of a joke, an unfunny joke, but a joke nonetheless. Um, what White said is that, um, listen, we're all learning every day about brain injury stuff. We've been invested in the Lou Rovu Center at the Cleveland Clinic to try and figure it out more. We're now interested in this thing with psychedelics, blah, blah, blah. But listen, speaking of Fisher, he's not the first and definitely not going to be the last. This is a contact sport. And anyone who's done this younger, myself included, is dealing with brain issues. It's part of the gig. Dana White was a boxer size um, instructor. He was never an MMA fighter. Did he spar? Perhaps. But to say that he's part of this um, group that is struggling with brain injuries and the long-lasting 
uh, um, effects of those injuries and compare himself to someone like Spencer Fisher is laughable and completely on point for Dana White in, in claiming that he's, oh, things are just as bad for me. Why isn't anybody thinking about me? Because you're not in that situation. I mean, you can claim you are, but are you unable to function? Can you, can you, you know, can you work? Yeah. You can, Dana White can do all those things. Dana White can do everything he needs to do. Spencer Fisher cannot. Um, so to say that he's part of this group that's going through uh, brain trauma issues, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it at all. It's a way to control the narrative, change the narrative, and try and put it on him. Now, let's not forget, John Nash tweeted this out before today, earlier today. There are plenty of, uh, there's plenty of evidence in the past where Dana White said that how safe MMA was compared to other sports and how safe it was in a big picture. And now to say that this brain trauma is just part of the gig, oh, well, I have it. What's the big deal? That's kind of a shitty thing to say and a shitty thing to do. But it's on point, and um, the media and the fans should not let White get away with this. He is not Spencer Fisher. He is never going to be Spencer Fisher. And to let him try and control the narrative and put himself in that same kind of position is gross, and it's a, it's a joke. And the media, the fans need to take that narrative back and former fighters and say, yo, no, you don't, you're, you're missing, you don't get this. You're not that guy. So Dana White needs to just keep him, keep himself out of this conversation. Otherwise he's just going to embarrass himself. Um, so Dana White is going to get a couple come on nows here. His first one is he was speaking about, um, illegal streamers and he said he's going to go go after them especially for this UFC 257 and I agree that the UFC has every right to do that um, people are pirating their 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 videos their fights and that is a 100% a right that the UFC does have and it, I'm I'm going to guess it's out of control and so that's why white is um, doing this. The the part that bothers me is that he's kind of gloating about what's going to happen to these folks that stream. And, you know, he, he said earlier, I can't wait to catch you. Got a surprise for you motherfuckers this year. And then he said that he can't wait. Uh, here's what he said. I look forward to the crying and begging. We'll see how tough they are when they get caught. And all this, all I could think of was him gloating on this. And someone that's suing the UFC in the antitrust suit, sitting there and writing this quote down, just in case the antitrust lawsuit is successful and the UFC loses. And if the UFC does lose that trust antitrust suit, they could be on the hook for um, millions or billions of dollars. So I think that that quote will will get written down. And if things don't turn out the UFC's way in the antitrust suit, I expect that it will be um, brought up again in the future. Another come on now is um, Fight Island. There seems to be this belief that Dana White is responsible in some way for 
forking over the cash for Fight Island and that he set up Fight Island so the fighters could keep fighting and uh, earn paychecks during the pandemic. Now, is some of that true? Maybe, but the bulk of that is not true. Fight Island was paid for by Abu Dhabi. It was put in place to show that Abu Dhabi and UAE could stage um, sporting events during the pandemic safely. It was a concentrated effort to show the rest of the world that we can do this. We can do this well. We can do this safely. And so the the Abu Dhabi uh, tourism absorbed, I, from what I hear, heard, the majority, if not all, of the costs to to stage the, at least the first couple go-rounds of Fight Island in, in Abu Dhabi. And so Dana White didn't put Fight Island together for the fighters or fork over the bills for that. Not true. So I, this is another fantasy, you know, I think that stemmed from the part where White said he was got an island to stage these events. Abu Dhabi, from what I'm gathering, came to him and said, we can do this. And it was kind of a partnership and it was paid for by Abu Dhabi in the hopes that it'll, it'll pay them back in the future when they show how safe they could be. And they did a hell of a job. They did a great job, um, with the, with, with COVID-19 and, um, everything and the testing and creating a pretty good bubble with the only people getting out of that bubble from what I can, what I saw was. Dana White and his friends. So, again, come on now. So let's 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 lose this fantasy that Dana White created Fight Island. Let's also lose the fantasy that Dana White staged these fights so the fighters can make money. Come on, we all know that the reason for the fights was to deliver on the ESPN contract and get that money from ESPN, and they did it. So congratulations to them, but don't say it was for the fighters. It wasn't. Closing out, um, I said something earlier this um, last, well, late uh, in, in 2020, I think about Charles Oliveira becoming the uh, forgotten man in the UFC's lightweight division. And I think that's going to come true. So we have UFC 257, and Conor McGregor's fighting Dustin Poirier, and then Michael Chandler is fighting Dan Hooker. And Charles Oliveira is not fighting. Why do I believe that Oliveira is going to be the forgotten man? The winner of the Poirier fight, Poirier-McGregor fight, and the Chandler-Hooker fight, if Habib Nurmagomedov is truly retired, and I believe he is, those two folk, those two um, guys that win those fights are probably going to fight for the vacant title, which means Charles Oliveira, with his long winning streak, gets forgotten. And here is the part that I think is going to come and bite Oliveira in the ass. Um, and this is via the Mac Life. We offered uh, him, meaning Oliveira, this fight, meaning Michael Chandler, but he couldn't make weight, so you can't blame the guy for that. Um, and then there was talk about who was going to fight for the title and blah, blah, blah. Look at Oliveira. I mean, look at what this guy has done. White said, coming off that performance that he just put on over Tony Ferguson, it's hard to overlook him. But I think he's going to be overlooked. And I think what will bite him and what will be used against him is the very thing that White is praising for, praising him for here. Um, 
it's going to be brought up. You can almost guarantee this. It's going to be brought up that Oliveira, well, you could have fought Michael Chandler at UFC 257, but you turned that fight down. That's my fear. That's what I think is going to happen here. And I think Charles Oliveira ends up the forgotten man and ends up fighting a couple more times before he's even considered for a title fight. Um, it's not the best. Um, I would say that he deserves a title fight more than the winner of the Hooker-Chandler fight. One, Chandler hasn't even fought in the UFC. Hooker has, but he's coming off, I think he's coming off a loss. Let me just double check that. I think that last fight was a loss for him, unless he's fought since then. So Hooker, yeah, Hooker's last fight was that loss to Poirier. Before that, he had won three. But, yeah, Charles Oliveira deserves a title fight more than Dan Hooker does. But... Oliveira's not um, in the public eye as much. He's not a braggart. He doesn't, you know, push himself more. He doesn't talk trash all that much. And so he's going to be the forgotten man. And when push comes to shove, you're going to hear about the time he turned down the fight with uh, Michael Chandler. I can almost guarantee it. Is it right? No. Will it happen? Probably. And with that, I'm going to call it a night. I will be back tomorrow. And uh, until then, everyone stay safe.